There have been a lot of great hockey players over the years. Legends, both on and off the ice. The Overtime Podcast checks in with some of hockey's biggest names and talks about what these great players are up to today. Welcome to the Overtime Podcast. Here's your host, Gino Retta. Hey, hockey fans, welcome to the 7-Eleven Overtime Podcast. I'm your host, Gino Retta. You know, I've spent over four decades working in the game, fortunate enough to meet some of the legends of the game, saw them come into the league, watched them shine in the game, and now they've moved on to life after the game. The 7-Eleven Overtime Podcast gives us a chance to catch up, tell some great stories, relive some great memories, and hear what they're up to today. Oh, you are in for a treat today. He's one of the best American-born players in NHL history, the first American player with 500 goals and 1,000 points in his career, was undrafted, yet he still won three Stanley Cups. 16 seasons in the league with the Blues, the Flames, Pittsburgh Penguins, the Boston Bruins between 1980 and 1997, inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame in the year 2000. Ladies and gentlemen, Joey Mullen. Joe, welcome to the show, my friend. How are you? Oh, very good. Thanks for having me, Gino. You know what time it is? It's time to crush your cravings with 7-Eleven Cravables. Like their world-famous taquitos, fully loaded nachos, hot from the oven in minutes 24-7 pizza, and the one and only Slurpee. They'll deliver it straight to your door before you can say, Hey dude, have you seen my phone? Get 7-Eleven delivered fast, 24-7. Use promo code FREE7 to get $7 off your first two orders of $15 or more on 7Now. Download the 7-Eleven app. For those who don't know this, you got that thick. I love the accent. Uh, you're actually <laughs> living in Cape Cod now. How did you end up in Cape Cod? Well, you know, I married a Boston girl. Uh, we used to come back to Boston every summer uh, from hockey all the time. And uh, once we started growing a family, we needed to get out of our mother's house and uh, into our own house. So um, it just made sense for us to come to Cape Cod. Uh, being the type of place it is, very, uh, very great for the summertime and, and the kids. And uh, so uh, we wound up just staying here. We love it so much. I always find it very intriguing for somebody who's been in the game of hockey now for myself for like four decades or so. I always find it intriguing, the roots. And week after week, we have guys on the show, like uh, Hall of Famers, legends like yourself, Marty Brodeur, and um, you know, Paul Henderson and Lanny McDonald and Daryl Sidler. And we ask, and more often than not, their stories about, yeah, I grew up skating on the pond on the farm when we were three years old. <laughs> Your story is obviously completely different. You were born and raised in New York City's Hell's Kitchen district, uh, not exactly known at that point as a hockey hotbed, more known for the Gambino crime family in your neighborhood <laughs> than anything else. Tell our audience a little bit about your upbringing and, and where you grew up. Well, I grew up, uh, like you said, in, in the Hell's Kitchen section of New York. Uh, Madison's, the old Madison Square Garden was right up the street from us. So that's where I think uh, we got started with hockey. Plus, our, our dads and uncles and everything, uh, everybody like that, uh, played roller hockey, you know, and they loved the game of hockey. So my dad was actually working at Madison Square Garden at the time. And, um, you know, he's part of the ice crew there for many years. Um, yeah. 
up until he died pretty much. And then, uh, you know, so he used to bring us home sticks and, you know, that's where we grew our, our love for the game by the Rangers being right up the street there. And, uh, you know, uh, we started with roller hockey and, uh, that's where, where we, uh, play probably our most hockey in our early years. And then, um, I was about 10 years old before I put on ice skates. That's amazing, Joey. You didn't even hit the ice with skates until you were 10. Correct. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, we didn't have much ice in the neighborhood. So, uh, you know, you, you had to travel, you know, if you wanted to do that. And none of our parents had cars living in the city, you know. So uh, we had we had a lot of cement and concrete. So we, we roller skated and played hockey on roller skates. It's interesting because at that point when you were a kid, Emil Francis was a general manager of the New York Rangers, the legendary hockey man builder that he was. Um, and he kind of. I guess in seeing what you and other kids in New York city were doing and going through kind of played a role in starting a, 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 a league for you kids to develop. Tell us about that. Yeah. Uh, well, he was, uh, he must've been ha having a hard day one time. Uh, and he was in Madison square garden. He says, I just got to go for a walk. So he walked outside. He's seen a bunch of kids uh, skating down the street and he followed them and there was the New York School of Printing. It was right across the street from where I lived. And um, he uh, just watched us play hockey for a while. I remember him standing up there just watching us, and we all knew who he was, and we were excited. So uh, we were trying to step it up and put on a show for him. But uh, he just figured, why can't we get all these kids that are playing roller hockey on the ice? And – he, he went and he got some people together and uh, formed a league. I think his kids were playing ice hockey in um, out in uh, Long Island, Long Beach, Long Island at the time. And uh, so uh, they started started a junior league there. And uh, I just kind of followed my brothers in, into the junior league. It's amazing. We're in conversation with Hockey Hall of Famer, three-time Stanley Cup champion, Joey Mullen. Um, there's, nowadays, you get the choice of which way you want to go through your route in developing hockey, whether you go through major, junior, or make your way through. And more and more, we're seeing guys turn to the college route. When you played, it really wasn't the... For, for most kids at that point, it really wasn't what you did. It was what you had to do when you had to do it. And you ended up at Boston College, which turned out to be a phenomenal situation for you. How did you end up going to, to school at Boston and playing as, on, a, on a partial ride, I guess, initially there and then a full ride later? What was, how did that transition happen for you? Yeah, well, I was just, like I said, I was playing in the junior league at the time. I was probably 16, 17. And, um, Lenny Sigalski uh, had heard about us. He was the coach at BC. He came down to the city, watched us play, um, started to recruit recruit me. And, um, you know, I I had a choice, you know, um, you know try, try Division One, or I could go, easily have gone Division Two. My brother was already at uh, – my brother Tom was already at uh, AIC, 
in Springfield, Mass, and uh, a bunch of guys from the neighborhood were also there, so I could have went there. Uh, but BC was my only Division One school that recruited me, so um, it was a hard decision. And but uh, I said I got to take a chance, you know. So I went to BC and uh, loved every minute of it. It was just a, a great spot for me. I got to play a lot and uh, right away, and uh, you know, it got me started, you know. It's, it's interesting because the world has changed so dramatically now. Now to see an American go early in the draft, no surprise at all. To see an American from the desert, Austin Matthews, go first overall, no surprise at all. Like, it's just the world we live in right now. It's, but in your day, you went undrafted and you were eligible in the 1979 draft and you were undrafted. It was a completely different mentality back then when it came to U.S.-born players. Tell our audience about that. Yeah, well, well, it was you know when I was going into the pro- professional ranks, um, you know, it was kind of known that well, it was supposed to be known that the the Canadians didn't care for the Americans coming into the league and stuff. But you know, I I went to the tryouts in uh, Salt Lake City. For the St. Louis Blues, I, I uh, yeah, actually emailed Francis, signed me yeah. um, uh, to my first contract when he was GM of the St. Louis Blues. And, uh, you know, I went to camp and, you know, it was like, you know, just feel things out, you know. But everybody was great. I mean, I didn't see anything like that. You know, where, you know, there was any animosity towards uh, the American guys. Um, maybe there still was, but I, I didn't see it, you know. And, you know, I just focused on my game, you know, playing my game and trying to make the team. And luckily I made the, you know, the Salt Lake team, which was the top farm team of the, of the Blues at the time. And, you uh, I had my ups and downs a little bit early in the season, but, uh, you know, I got it uh, kind of straightened out and, uh, you know, wound up uh, being rookie of the year in the league that year. So it was, uh, it was a good start to my career and, you know, gave me a lot of confidence going into the following years. You're one of the great stories because one of the great lines in the movie that was made about the miracle on ice was, uh, where's why isn't Joey Mullen here? <laughs> so, yeah, well, yeah, they kind of made it sound like I was just after the money, you know. Well, you're a popular guy at this point, you everybody knows you can score goals. They were creating the Miracle on Ice Team USA for the for our audience, younger audience that was built mostly of college kids, very few NHLers at that point. That's the way I mean, that was the way it was built. In, in 1980 and you were like this close to being a part of that team talk walk us through that story yeah well <clears throat> actually um in 79 i went to the uh world cups um in russia with yeah. usa and most most of the guys that you're talking about that were on that team and uh, we had a pretty decent uh t- you know showing there and um you know, the U.S. team was still interested in me and stuff, but uh, my dad got sick. Uh, so, um, you know, I kind of took it upon myself to 
you know, try to help the family out if needed, you know. So uh, I turned pro and uh, bypassed the Olympics. It was an interesting time for you because making that transition, you actually end up spending two and a half years. You mentioned Salt Lake at that point, the Central Hockey League, um, where it was difficult, I think, for you to make the step into the NHL. And I never really understood it because you seem to be the goal scorer. You seem to have all the talent, the talent and prowess to make that jump. And yet, for whatever reason, it wasn't happening. What what happened in that era? How do you how do you break that down in your mind? I mean, given where you ended up in your career, it's mind boggling that it that it took an extra two and a half years and you went undrafted to make it to the league. Yeah, it, it, yeah. Uh, well. <laughs> like I said, the first year I was uh, rookie of the year. Second year I was the MVP of the, the league that that year, and um, I was still down in Salt Lake. And I'm just thinking, well, you know, just play out your contract, see what happens uh, your third year, and if nothing happens, well, maybe you go home or maybe you go somewhere else, you know. Uh, but uh, things started happening in my third year. And, uh, you know, I got the call up uh, finally um, and uh, got my my uh, first couple of goals there. So it kind of gave me even more confidence. And OK, don't skirt by that quickly. Your first couple of goals. There's a story about that. Why don't you tell our audience about your first two NHL goals? Yeah, <laughs> well, um, the first one we we were. It was in the first period against Minnesota, uh, Minnesota North Stars, and um, I was uh, lucky enough to bank one off the goalie from behind the net and went in, and then we went back for the, the face-off, and uh, eight seconds later, I got the puck again and uh, was in the net. So it was uh, it was pretty thrilling to get two goals in eight seconds. So That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. uh you you had an opportunity to play with uh, a good friend of mine, Dougie Gilmore, and uh, you were rooming with Bernie Federko. When you finally make that step up after those two and a half year long battle, and all of a sudden you're in an NHL dressing room and you're seeing these guys, you're like, "Holy mackerel! I, I've been watching these guys for years, and now I'm in this room with them." What was that transition like for you? Yeah, just the best feeling in the world. You know, you, you you're like. You're nervous, you, you know, you got all kinds of um, emotions going, you know, you want to you wanna get out there and play and, you know, but you're in awe of most of the guys in the room. And, uh, but, uh, you know, once, once I get on the ice, you know, I can, I can kind of let that go and just, uh, you know, concentrate on what I'm supposed to be doing and hopefully do it the right way. It was interesting because it didn't take you once you caught on, obviously two goals in eight seconds. <laughs> it was a pretty amazing way to start your NHL career, but it wasn't just a blip. Sometimes that happens with a guy and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, but now we know what he's about. Well, in your first four NHL seasons, you had two 40-plus goal years with the St. Louis Blues. So the transition, obviously, once you were established, you were established. And you had four seasons, four-plus seasons with the St. Louis Blues, and then you were dealt to the Calgary Flames. In 1986, how did that come about, and how did you feel about that? Well, yeah, it came about because I was sitting out that that um, first uh, training camp, um, 
you know, yeah. that fourth training camp, I should say, because uh, over a contract dispute. So yeah. I was home and, um, you know, and they were all at camp and it was a weird feeling being being home at that time, you know, and not being there. So uh, they didn't want to pay the money. And uh, Harry Ornest was the owner at the time. And what do you do? You know, uh, you either sit out or you could give up and, and take what they offer. And I decided that, you know, I'll sit it out and see what happens. And then I got a call from Ron Karan and, you know, he said they'll, they'll give me the extra money I wanted. And then um, he, um, but I said, you know, if I take this, you're not going to trade me, are you? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Well, <laughs> that trade came about. They said uh, Mrs. Ornest wasn't too uh, happy with uh, them paying me uh, 50000 more than I wanted. Uh, they wanted. So I got traded. But in the, in the long run, you know, to look back on it, it was probably the best thing that happened to me, you know, going to Calgary that year and uh, playing up there. We went to the finals that first year. Uh, that was real exciting and, um, you know, a very good learning experience for the whole team. And then, uh, fortunately, we got another chance at it in 89. And... Uh, Beat Montreal that year. Well, we lost to Montreal in 86, but yeah. beat them in 89. You know what time it is? It's time to crush your cravings with 7-Eleven Cravables, like their world-famous taquitos, fully loaded nachos, hot from the oven in minutes, 24-7 pizza, and the one and only Slurpee. They'll deliver it straight to your door before you can say, hey, dude, have you seen my phone? Get 7-Eleven delivered fast, 24-7. Use promo code FREE7 to get $7 off your first two orders of $15 or more on 7Now. Download the 7-Eleven app. I want to get to 89 in a minute, but first let's start with 86. So now you move into a market, Calgary, where it's hockey crazy to yeah. begin with. And now this young guy comes in who was supposed to be a goal scorer and is a goal scorer. You made it all the way to the Stanley Cup final where you played the Habs. You had 12. You led the Flames with 12 goals in the Stanley Cup final. What was that like, both on the ice, in that room, and also in the community for Joey Mullen as a young goal yeah. scorer at that point? Well, well, in, in, in the community at first, like just getting off the plane and I'm walking through the airport and nothing to read on me that says I'm a hockey player or anything. I'm just walking through the airport going to get my luggage and uh, uh, people are walking by me just – going wherever they're going and they're saying, Hey, Joey, welcome. You know, and I'm like, how do they know it's me? You know? So, uh, it was kind of like you're an instant celebrity, you know? And, and that was kind of hard to take for a while, you know, it just people, you know, you go in a store and people are saying, Hey, Joey, you know, so I'm like, I don't even know these people, but, um, you know, but it worked out well. And then um, as far as the team goes, they made me feel right at home. Great people up there. Um, you know, great team. Headed Joe, by you were scoring goals. What did you think was going to happen? <laughs> <laughs> if you came in there and you were a flop, then okay, I get it. Yeah. But you scored 47, 40, and 51 goals in your first few seasons of the Calgary Flames. And then you had 16 to lead all players for the Calgary Flames in the Stanley Cup final. 
and you guys won the Stanley Cup in 1989. What was that entire experience like for you? That was awesome. I mean, you know, uh, losing to Montreal the first time and then getting the second chance to play them again in the finals was, uh, I think, that's what we needed. And uh, we needed a reason. We needed some revenge on that. And uh, it was just great hockey. They're, they're a great team. And uh, it was um, it was hard fought. And uh, once you get out of battles like that, you kind of realize how good hockey is, you know. Uh, it's, you know, you really got to put out a lot to win the cup. And uh, what a great feeling. You know, a dream come true for any kid that puts on skates and wants to play hockey uh, at that type of level. I talk about the guys you played with. Um, I want to briefly talk about a guy you played for, one of the legends of the game. He was uh, your early coach for the Calgary Flames when he was when he was there. But then once you got dealt to Calgary, he moved on to the Pittsburgh Penguins. And not surprisingly, he started making noise saying, I want Joe Mullen on this team. <laughs> and that ended up happening. Tell Tell, tell our listeners who I'm talking about and how that entire process went through. Well, that coach was Bob Johnson. And, uh, you know, I, I got to know Mark Johnson at the 79 um, World Championships. Yeah. And and uh, my brother Brian uh, had gone to uh, Wisconsin, recruited by Bob Johnson. So I got to know Bob at a couple of the Canada Cups and everything like that. Uh, just a great man, uh, great coach. Um, you know, uh, he did, he really, <laughs> he really installed a lot in, in my game, you know, helping me out, uh, especially on a power play and stuff like that. And, um, he was just, a he had, he always had a, a reason for everything, whether you, um, believed him or not, but if you trusted him, he was usually right. And you just follow his directions a lot. And he made the game simple. He always made it fun. He made practices fun. Uh, but you're working hard every day too. And uh, he used to, he used to be on the bus and he, you know, we'd be passing by these workers that are, you know, digging trenches in the street. And then you go, Hey guys, Look at that. Could be us out there. He goes, but where are we going? We're going to the rink for one hour and we're going to work, you know. And he just, you know, he just had uh, such a enthusiasm about the game. And that's the, the one thing I wanted to take when I started coaching. Yeah. And it worked for you. Then you went on to be an assistant coach for years afterwards because there's so much stuff yeah. you learned from them. Mm -hmm. So now you land in Pittsburgh. Um, not a bad team. <laughs> no, no, pretty good spot to be in, right? Uh, at that time, <laughs> a pretty good time. You're it's 1991. Uh, you did have a bit of an issue though. You had that herniated disc, which I, I'm guessing, like, it's not a herniated disc in 1990, 91 is not like a herniated disc in 23. In 23, Perfect. you do the laser, there's no issues, no problems. In 91, you're real nervous about this because you don't know how this is going to turn out. The whole technology and that is, what was that like for you to go through that, that serious at that point, what a bit of serious injury. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was thinking I was done. And then uh, I asked the doctor, I said, uh, you know, 
could it be fixed? And he says, yeah. He goes, um, it's going to take some time. I said, how much time? He goes, about eight weeks. <laughs> I went, really? And he said, yeah. So um, I had the operation. And as soon as I had the operation, my neck felt so much better. And, um, but I knew I had to, you know, work, work on the, the shoulders and, and the neck muscles to get back and uh, which i did and, uh, you know eight weeks to the day i was back playing in the playoffs so and contributing significantly what was that what do you what are your memories what are your takeaways in the 91 stanley cup run oh uh, just uh you know playing jersey that first first <laughs> series uh, what a you know going seven games and Frankie Peter Angelo making that great save on uh, Peter Stastny with the wide open net. Peter put it right in his glove and Frankie was diving backwards and caught the puck and if he, if he doesn't make that save, it's uh, the game was over. I think it was overtime at the time yeah. and then now uh, we go on to win that series and then you know we just got rolling after that. If I if I remember correctly, correct if I'm wrong, I think you played most of the time with Ronnie Francis and Yarmer Yager, <laughs> a uh, couple of pretty talented guys. Yeah, well, though for one year it was uh, Ronnie and Kevin Stevens, and then uh, then it was Ronnie and Yager. So I couldn't go wrong. I mean, even on that team, you had the first three centers were Mario, Ronnie, and, and Brian Trache. <laughs> Tell us for 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 people who watch. I mean. I mean, I've, I've been following the game for, for so many years right now, and uh, the memories I have of Mario because he skated so effortlessly, there were so many times we just thought, he's not even trying because it looked like he wasn't trying because his strides were so long and his reach was so long, and yet the stuff he was able to do was, well, I mean, he was Super Mario. Yeah. What was it like day in, day out to be able to see that up close? Yeah. Well, you know what? It was like some days were tough because when he's coming in and he can hardly walk, you know, you're like, Oh my God, we need, we need this guy. You know, we get, we got to get him ready. And, um, you know, he, he, he'd be hurting. And then the next thing you know, he's on the ice and he gets on the ice and it's like you said, you look at him skating and he hardly even touches the ice. He's so smooth, you know? And, uh, the hands, he never loses the hands. He could be out three months and be like the hands would be there, the skating would be there. Uh, and he was Super Mario. We're in conversation with Joe Mullen, uh, Hockey Hall of Famer and three-time Stanley Cup champion. He went on to win another Stanley Cup with uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins as well. But I want to ask you about a, a special moment. And I know you're very, very close in your family. You are a real family guy. You always have been. That's always been very important for you. Uh, when you talked about the finances, a big part of the finances for you was to feel like you could help the, the, the family and take care of the family. The all-star game at Madison Square Garden, which still gives me tingles thinking about it, uh, you know, the, the whole full circle that that was, 1994, MSG, back in your, where it all started for you and your brother. Tell us about that. Well, that, that that was uh really special, you know. Uh, being that dad was still working at that time, and uh, being able able to walk into that building and uh, play an all star game and 
have friends and family there and uh, just, uh, yeah, a great part of my career, a great memory of my career. And, uh, you know, I got to play with Messier and Graves. <laughs> that wasn't too bad either. But uh, it was just a, a thrill to be able to do that in your hometown. It's it, like, listen, it's one thing to be a part of something like that, but you weren't just a part of it. You were a very, very significant contributor, um, as evidenced by the fact you're, you're a hockey hall of famer. Are there times where you kind of just pinch yourself and I can't believe this all happened for two guys who grew up as stick boys and hanging around the Zamboni and MSG the, the now you look at your closet and go, holy macro, there's, yeah. there's all these jerseys of teams I played for. There's three Stanley Cups. I'm a Hockey Hall of Famer. You had to share that with your whole family. What's that like when you reflect back on something like that? Yeah, I kind of, I kind of reflect back on it, and I, I would say, why me? You know, why, you know, uh, why this all happened to me? I, I seen so many great hockey players in, in that neighborhood and in the area of of New York, and. Um, and not, you know, not them, you know, why me, you know, but, um, you know, I always had a love for the game. I still do. I play two or three times a week now. So um, still, still on the ice quite a bit. And that's all year round too. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I wonder why, but, you know, uh, you know, I, I think I know why too, you know, because I put the time and the effort enter it my whole life so uh i think uh that that's the biggest reason i got to do what i did how much did you enjoy going back you you um you ended up as a free agent with the boston bruins back you know you went to boston college what was that experience like being back there so many years later yeah you know it was uh you know i always wanted to play for uh an original six team you know and, uh, you know, wound up being Boston and coming back to Boston. That was great. You know, I, you know, spent the four years in, at BC there. And, um, you know, I loved every minute of it, like I said earlier. But, uh, you know, to be able to come back and play in front of the fans there uh, was a thrill for me. Uh, unfortunately, I was uh, hurt quite a bit that year but you know uh so it didn't work out quite the way i was hoping but uh yeah but it was still a thrill uh to come back and play for that team and now uh, you know being an alumnus of the team uh you know i get to play with the alumni team and um they played quite a few games we played like maybe a 35 uh game season um starting wow. in the, uh yeah, so you know it's pre it's pretty cool. It's uh, mostly charity games and everything. But uh, I actually I just got home from the Detroit. We played the Detroit alumni uh, this past weekend, and uh, that was fun. That was a real good time, and uh, both teams had a, had a blast doing it. Is it nice telling stories when you get back together with the guys? Oh yeah, absolutely. It's like you pick up right where you left off, you know. You know, with former teammates and friends and people, you know, that you got to know through through the games and stuff. That's awesome. Uh, 96, 97, you finally decided it's time to hang them up, and you did it with the Pittsburgh Penguins, which 
you know, makes sense. You won a couple of Stanley Cups with them. You had some of your best years with them. What was it like the emotion saying you obviously still love the game. You're still playing three times a week. You're still playing all the alumni games, but where you had to walk away from the game in the NHL, what was that like when you had to make that? How did you make that decision? Uh, I think my body made it for me. You know, the knees were going, um, uh, the neck injuries uh, took away most of my upper body strength and, and stuff like that. So I could feel it coming. You know, I kind of hung in there just to try to get the, the 500 goal. And, you know, it was like, I still, still wanted to play. I just knew it's probably not the right thing, you know, so it's time to, to hang them up as far as the NHL went. So you went away for a little while, but then you came right back <laughs> as an assistant yeah. coach. And you were there for five years, I guess, at the Pens. And then you were with the Flyers coaching staff. Oh, man, for probably over another decade and stuff. Yeah. Well, what the was, Flyers, yeah. Uh, what, was that, what was that experience like, coaching? Uh, I enjoyed it. You know, uh, I was really nervous in the beginning because we still had Mario on the team and Yager, <laughs> you know. <laughs> And I was just doing the power play, basically. So how do you tell those guys we have Ronnie still? And, you know, that kind of took care of itself. But I, I learned a lot doing it with that team, you know, and how to work work with guys and stuff like that. So that was a, a definitely a learning experience for me. And uh, I was there like five years, I think, with the Penguins coaching. And then uh, then I went to Philly. Uh, after that uh, and spent 12 years with them. So it was a lot easier, I think, in Philly because I dealt with all those superstar players in, uh, in, in Pittsburgh. Joey, it's been so great catching up with you. And, and it, it sounds like you're still very healthy and still very active. And that's all great to hear. It's, it's just excellent. Will, will you play a game with me? Will you play five fast facts with me? <laughs> okay, I'll try. I'll ask, you, I'll ask you five questions, just rapid fire. First thing that comes to your mind when, when you hear this, okay? okay? All right, let's play five fast facts with Hockey Hall of Famer, three-time Stanley Cup champion, Joey Mullen. I think I know the answer to this one. The best teammate you ever played with, who was that? Uh, Lanny McDonald. Wow, I thought you were going to go Mario, but Lanny McDonald. Well, yeah, you know what? It was, I mean, it, it's a tough choice to pick either one of them. Yeah. Uh, but I think, uh, you know, Lanny was kind of the ultimate captain, you know. He, he was just, uh, he was there for, not not that Mario wasn't, but, you know, it's just, yeah, I don't know. It was something about Lanny that uh, he was a leader all the way, you know. And, I mean, Mario led more by example. And I think uh, Lanny was, like, more the vocal type and, Great man. Yeah. I've had him on the show. Yeah. He's a wonderful human being and the best mustache in the history of the By talking, you know, Mario did his all his reeling in and talking on the ice. You know, he yeah. reeled us in as soon as he uh, put on the skates. Tough choice, but Fair yeah. Enough. But a good choice. Best coach you ever played for? Bob Johnson. No doubt. Who did you hate playing against the most and why? Probably the Montreal Canadiens because of their system, you know. Fair enough. Uh, your favorite city, NHL city to play in? 
Uh, Chicago. The barn, eh? The old building was spectacular. Uh, if you hadn't become an NHL player, what do you think you would have ended up doing as a career? <laughs> I'd probably uh, be in like, um, trying to think of it now, the theatrical because pretty much. Oh, an actor? No, 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 no. As a stagehand or something because oh. most, most, most of the guys from my neighborhood are on the theatrical and, and, and stuff like that in, in New York. So I probably would have probably wound up there. But, That's hilarious. Yeah. I did not see that one coming. I got to tell you, Joey, I did not see that one coming. Acting, no. <laughs> but moving the props around, I get that. Yeah. Hey, Joey, I'm so glad you're doing so well, and you look like you're still very, very happy and in great shape. This has been so much fun catching up with you again. Thank you, Gino. It's good to see you, too. Three-time Stanley Cup champion, Hockey Hall of Famer, one of the greatest American-born players in NHL history, Joe Muller. The Overtime Podcast is proudly presented by 7-Eleven. Before leaving the rink, order your favorite Slurpee, fresh 100% premium Arabica coffee, hot from the oven, pizza and wings, pint of ice cream, or even a carton of milk, a dozen eggs, and a loaf of bread from the 7Now app. And Team 7-Eleven will have your order ready for pickup 24-7. Hey, if you missed any parts of the show, don't worry. Visit our website at overtimepodcast.ca where you can both listen and subscribe to future shows. 7-Eleven's Overtime Podcast can be found on the iHeartRadio app, Spotify, iTunes Podcasts, or any of your favorite podcast platforms. Until next week, I'm Gino Retta saying so long, hockey fans, and thanks for joining us on the 7-Eleven Overtime Podcast. You know what time it is? It's time to crush your cravings with 7-Eleven Cravables, like their world-famous taquitos, fully loaded nachos, hot from the oven in minutes 24-7 pizza, and the one and only Slurpee. They'll deliver it straight to your door before you can say, hey dude, have you seen my phone? Get 7-Eleven delivered fast, 24-7. Use promo code FREE7 to get $7 off your first two orders of $15 or more on 7Now. Download the 7-Eleven app.